covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for uh, being with us. Another week's worth of uh, Brewers talk for you here in podcast form. Brewers uh, just wrapping up a week that saw them taking a series from the Cubs, but losing a series against Pittsburgh. Before we go any further, we'll do our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast. Want to get in contact with me? You can do so on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and uh, want to leave a ranking or review, that would be fantastic. And also, if you are able to uh, subscribe to the podcast, that would be good as well. Uh, all those things help the numbers uh, go up and other people find the podcast, which is always a good thing for what uh, what we're trying to do. On the podcast this week, we have uh, one of our favorite people to have on. Jim Goulart will join us here in just a few moments of BrewerFan.net fame. Fame? Yeah, we'll go fame. Of BrewerFan.net fame, Jim Goulart is going to join us on the podcast in uh, just a few moments. Uh I think the Brewers are in really good shape here through the first couple weeks of the season. I mean, we're going to keep saying small sample size. I uh, I was asked recently, at what point in the year do we stop saying small sample size? And I guess it's somewhat dependent on exactly what we're looking at. But from an overall perspective, I, st- I think the first two months of the season are small sample size. I did a uh, I did a radio spot with uh, with Steve Scafidi a couple weeks ago, and I mentioned the fact that Flag Day is a day that people throw out a lot. So that's what we're going with uh, the the small sample size in terms of overall season stuff will uh, will end on Flag Day, and I will do my best to no longer say use that term small sample size once we get to uh, that point of the year. But it's still a small sample size. I think there's more good stuff than bad stuff at this point for the Brewers. The bad stuff is the injuries. It's really tough right now when you've got Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, and Colton Wong all on the injured list, and it's not real clear when those guys are going to come off the injured list. Uh, Wong's out going to be the first guy to be eligible to come off, and it doesn't appear that he's going to come off right away. Uh, you would think that Cain's probably the next guy, and then Yelich. Yelich completely shut down baseball activities. Uh, that was that was mentioned on Saturday. So the injuries are tough. The injuries impact the top of the order as well because two of those three guys or two of the three guys that you use in the leadoff position. That being said, Jackie Bradley Jr. has been on a bit of a tear here recently, and he's been batting out of the leadoff spot. So that's been good, and they've been able to uh, overcome that. But overall, this is the time of the year early on in the season when you're really trying to establish your identity and know who you are and figure out how all the pieces kind of work together in the lineup. And that information that you learn at this point in the season, early on in the season for for your club, helps you kind of make decisions later on in the year. And it's going to be a bit until the team is completely healthy and you see all the pieces working together in, in unison and you really have an idea of what this team can do and where this team maybe comes up a bit short. The offense can still be a bit sporadic, uh, their team batting average isn't good. They had been doing pretty well with runners on in scoring position. They've been, uh, but then that on their Sunday loss to uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they had an offer. That was a weird day as well. If you look at it, they had seven hits against the Pirates on Sunday, and all seven of the hits came from the guys hitting in the top four spots in the order. They got zero production from spots five through nine. You can't tell me that that is not largely connected to the fact that you've got these injuries. The the depth of the lineup, 
you know, we you talk about lineup depth sometimes, and what that really means is how many spots do you go down the order where the lineup is still dangerous, basically. And the depth of the lineup has, has certainly taken a hit with those guys not being in there. And that game on Sunday was a perfect example of it because of what they just they just didn't get anything. They got nothing uh, from anybody batting in the five spot or lower. Uh, the the other negative, I guess, I don't know why I'm starting with negatives, but we are. We'll, we'll, there's a lot of positive stuff to talk about. We'll get there in a second. Uh, Keston Hira still has not gotten things going with the bat. There's been some hard-hit balls that have found gloves, but there's also been non-hard-hit balls. He's getting on base okay. He's drawing some walks. He's getting hit by pitches. But that's that's not what you need him to do. Uh, when, when they made the decision that he was going to play at first base, you put him at first base because – his bat is going to have enough of a punch to it that you can deal with whatever defensive inefficiencies or uh, yeah that, that you would have over at first because he's not going to be a great defensive first baseman. Now, admittedly, he's playing a little bit more second right now because of the injury to uh, Colton Wong. Uh, I, I think we're going to continue to see a little bit more of uh, Daniel Vogelback at first base if he continues to hit the way he's been hitting recently. But that being said, here at some point, has got to get that bat going. He's a big part of what this team is trying to do this year from an offensive standpoint. You can't say enough about the starting pitching. It has been just so good. Your top two guys in Woodruff and Burns have been spectacular. Brett Anderson, outside of the one start against Chicago, where out of nowhere he just gave up all those home runs in that one inning, Anderson has just been that solid guy that you expected him to be this year. Uh, the bullpen has been up and down. We learned this past week that uh, Devin Williams was really going to be taken out of the high leverage spots and he was going to be used more as a way to just – they were going to use him just to make sure he got his – you know, the almost like spring training where this guy is scheduled to pitch this day. And they're doing that with him. He's coming off the injury. He was a little bit slower in spring training. He doesn't have that many outings. I know the team is very confident that as the time moves along – He's going to get closer and closer to being the guy that he was last year. It's going to be it's going to be very challenging to repeat what he did last year, but find some level of domination is what they're hoping for. But right now, it's just about getting him innings and letting him work back into form uh, because he's not he's not even at a point yet where most relief pitchers are in terms of appearances. By the time uh, spring training comes to an end. Uh, not having Justin Topa, I think that hurts. And there's some young guys that are still kind of trying to figure it out, and that takes a little bit of time. You might not have the consistency from the bullpen quite yet, but the way this bullpen was put together, I don't know if you expected to have the, the, the consistency that you really wanted with as much youth that was in there, and you just hope that it continues to come together, and by the end of the season, it's really good. But overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way this team is playing. Uh, they they lost a division series against the Pirates. You don't like that for whatever reason. They seem to have uh, problems, but give the Pirates credit. They're playing better baseball than anybody expected, and they're gonna they'll, they'll fall off at some point. They're not a very good team. Uh, they are going to at some point in time fall off, but at the same time, they had just split with the Padres. They had taken a series, I believe, from the Cubs. So Pirates are playing respectable baseball at this point in time, and the NL Central it, it's bunched up and. 
I don't know what kind of separation is going to occur as the season goes along. I think in some ways there's still going to be uh, it's still going to be bunched up. Whether that maybe means there's one team that really pushes ahead and then everybody else is kind of lumped together or whatever. There's going to be some level of bunching up. But right now the entire division is uh, separated by three games. It's one of uh, two divisions, I guess one of three divisions in baseball that you can say that. So I guess it's not that rare because you've got three divisions like that. You've got the National League Central and the National League East that uh, each go three games from top to bottom. And then uh, same deal with the American League West. I, I would say the one difference is I think the National League East is deeper. I think that that might be the best division in baseball. I think all those teams are pretty good, uh, what, no matter what order you want to put them in. Braves, Mets, Phillies, Nationals, Marlins. I, that's a To me, that's the best division in baseball. I think they're just all pretty solid teams. I wouldn't feel that way so much about the American League West, which is only separated by the three. But then you look at other divisions. You've got the American League East, where the Yankees have the worst record. They're five and ten. Yankees are five and ten as we recorded this on Sunday night. They're four and a half games back, and the Central is separated by four games in the American League. National League West, the Dodgers have already completely jumped out to a big lead. They lead the Giants by three and a half, and the Padres by three and a half uh, after just having some success against the Padres. Uh, Dodgers lead the last place. Rockies by uh, by nine games, so a nine game separation now in the National League West. But yeah, I just I just think the National League Central is going to be bunched up. So the fact that the Brewers have started three and one in divisional series that probably pays out some dividends at the end of the season. All right, so that's kind of my uh, overall general, very broad look at the way things are going through the first two two and a half weeks of the season. Brewers are in pretty good shape. I've always said you if you if you can just kind of tread water through the first two months of the season or so, stay around 500, even the first three months of the season, get to the all-star break, uh, around 500 more often than not, that's going to give you the opportunity to really take off from there. And uh, the Brewers are a game above 500. The Reds, who are in first place in the division, are are 9-6. and six. Um, So they're not they're not, uh, they're not world beaters at this point in time, and I think the Reds will start to fall off. The, the big thing with the Reds at this point has been their ability to score runs at home and their inability to score runs on the road, especially compared to the run scoring output uh, that they're putting together at home. All right, as mentioned, uh, our featured guest this week, it is Jim Goulart from BrewerFan.net. So let's go ahead and get to it. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X Runnings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Very happy to welcome back on to the podcast. Uh, he is the original Link reporter. He's going to have a lot more uh, stuff to do once the minor league season gets underway, although he's pretty busy as is uh, over at uh, BrewerFan.net. Follow him on Twitter at Mass underscore Haas, M-A-S-S underscore H-A-A-S. It is our very good friend, Jim Goulart. Hey, Jim, how are you? Thank you, my very good friend, Matt Pauly. It's reciprocal. <laughs> uh, that's good. We all need very good friends in life. I think we uh, and we that's never been more true than it is right now, right? I know. Virtual uh, virtual greetings to you as always, Matt. Yep. So uh, I think the 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 series lost to the Pirates, notwithstanding, and for whatever reason, it seems like. Whatever the worst team in the NL Central is, whether it's generally the Pirates, it's been the Reds at times, those those teams have given 
the Brewers issues in those years. And I would, I bet the Pirates give the Brewers issues all season long this year. But that being said, before uh, losing two out of three to Pittsburgh, Brewers had won three straight series all against divisional opponents with uh, two series wins against the Cubs and a series win against the Cardinals. I think, I think the Brewers are in a great place as we uh, speak on, on April 18th. What say you? I say I'm really enjoying nearly everything that I've experienced so far in this Major League Baseball season, whether it's Brewers-specific or MLB overall. But um, the one thing I'm taking out of this early season stretch is that it's tough to envision this team having an extended losing streak with this starting pitching. Mm -hmm. And if you can avoid long losing streaks, even if it's just a little five- or six-game skid, um, now watch. I'll probably jinx it, right, and they'll have a tough stretch coming up. But somebody is going to put a stop to that in that starting rotation. And the injuries have been tough to, you know, to deal with at the moment. But, no, I'm, I'm in, I think they're in great shape. The schedule in April was brutal. They're, they're almost two-thirds of the way through. And um, they're going to be um, – it, it's been fun. It's been entertaining. Some of those early low-scoring losses were tough. You wish you could have a couple of those back. But, Matt, I'm, it's, it's all very much good in my eyes right now. You mentioned the injuries, and I, th- I think that's the biggest storyline so far in the season when you don't have a Lorenzo Cain, a Christian Yelich, and a Colton Wong, and you're still going out there trying to win games. That's obviously going to be – more challenging. I was kind of joking. I did the uh, the Brewers warm up pregame show on Sunday, and I I was talking about the fact that going into the season we were so focused. Uh, and when I say we, I mean just everybody around the world of baseball, whether it's people inside of the organization or people who are just watching as fans. We were so focused on the preventing of injuries for pitchers, based off going from sixty to one sixty two. Admittedly, that becomes more of an issue later on in the year when the inning pitched and, and pitch count go up but in a way I chuckle that pitching uh, the Brewers pitchers have given more than enough you know innings pitched whether you're coming off a 60 game season or not but it's the uh, it's the position players who have had a hard time staying healthy you know and it's it's something where you know these guys are tremendous athletes I mean we're talking Yelich, Wong and um, Kane so but when you think you, you almost can deal with it mentally a little better if, if maybe one of them had been clipped by a hit-by-pitch and had a busted finger or something like that. So, we're, But we're talking injuries that the trainers and the athletic staff work so hard to avoid with obliques and back injuries and quads and you know uh, hamstrings earlier. It's, it's just a matter of, gee, you know, if we could just get past this stretch, but then you're kind of holding your breath for the rest of the season. I mean, the only thing that I've got in the back of my mind with this Christian Yelich situation is, well, what if this happens in the stretch run? Um, you know, and it turns out to be a 10 to 15 day situation back then, because this, it, it seems to be um, with little warning, even though I guess apparently it's going to be something that he and the team is going to have to live with and be aware of for the long term and, and Matt I, I'm just where are you on the, the Christian Yelich concern level not just for this little stretch but for beyond yeah I think you struck the the big thing on the timing of it 
because you don't want it to happen in September. If Christian Yelich has two injured list stints every year and he misses 10 to 15 games in each of those stints, so he misses somewhere between 20 and 30 games each year because he has to go on the injured list with a back issue, I can deal with that. I it's not preferable, but I don't uh, I don't think it diminishes his value to the team that much. I, I th- you can you can work through that. But if if one of those two stints happens on September seventh and he's not there as the team is fighting, or or God forbid it happens on uh, September twenty eighth and you know they're about to yeah. go into the postseason, that's where the issue is, um, and, and that's concerning. But at the same time. Can you really, I mean, I don't want to be concerned about that all the time because then you've just got this dark cloud hanging over your head at all times. Yeah, it takes, you know, I don't want to plant that seed either um, and and just have that fear um, every time you see him uh, standing up a little straighter than usual. Or we've seen his defensive play, not just this, in the small sample of this spring, um, you know, he, he's had a couple of clumsy moments, and then you wonder if his back was already hurting him. I, I'm guessing it was a bit, and then it got to the point where this was more exaggerated. But, yeah, that's a tough one because it, it's going to be tough not, no matter how hot he gets, it's just kind of the suddenness of this that seems like it could be a potential issue uh, in the back of our minds down the road. So um, let's get him back and get him the whole ramp up thing and, and getting back hundred percent, that's going to be interesting to see how it all goes. He's going to, he might be, you know, he's going to come back. He's going to be stuck on zero home runs, one RBI. And let's take it from there. I also don't love the fact that, so we thought, we thought Yelich was going to be back and then he, it wasn't so much a setback, but it was not the progression forward that they were expecting. And he ended up on the injured list with Colton Wong. When he goes on the IL, the, the, the comment is, you know, pretty good chance that he'll be ready to go when he's eligible to be active. And now that doesn't seem to be the case. It's going to be a little bit more time after that. There really isn't a timeline out there on, on Lorenzo Kane. So I think if, if I were to be alarmed by something when it comes to injuries, it's probably not actually the being worried about Yelich and the back recurring. It's more about not really knowing when these guys are going to get back. Yep, and then you know they're going to play it, uh, especially if the team is, is keeping its head above water and playing relatively well. They're certainly not going to let that factor in, and they'll tell you, They'll never let that factor in. They'll always take the players' health and you know concerns about their availability um, from that standpoint. But it's at, it's at a point where um, it's frustrating because you are watching uh, a lot of lineup juggling. But in the same way, it's fascinating, frustrating and fascinating at the same time because there are so many things that Craig Council can do to mix and match at this point, and it lets the the fan get into some of the nitty-gritty like, okay, Daniel Robertson, let's get it going here because you're off fill-in just about all over the diamond and it's pretty much non-competitive at bat after non-competitive at bat with you right now. So it's time to kind of look around the roster and have some fun kind of analyzing that at the same time. Yeah, and to that, to that point, I thought when they traded Orlando Arcia, it really... Prior to the Arcia trade, at shortstop, it was Urias or Arcia. At third base, it was Shaw or Arcia. 
Uh, at the same time, Shaw might have gone and spent some time at first base. Uh, you didn't really know what you were going to get out of Keston here. Obviously, Colton Wong is the one guy who was cemented at second base when he was when he was healthy. But the moment they traded Arcia, it really secured a lot of the, kind of the roles. All of a sudden, Shaw absolutely is the guy at third base, and Urias absolutely is the guy at, at shortstop, and Robertson absolutely is that that first guy to fill in at those spots. Just one move really had a way of impacting a number of different positions. Yeah, and talk about. I know the folks listen to your podcast all throughout the week, so we'll. You know, some folks may already know what's going to happen uh, Monday night against the Padres, but how many of us are kind of holding our breath while we're waiting for the next Luis Urias hole uh, throw from the hole? It's shortstop, right? I mean, this can't turn into something where it's uh, a little case of the, even if it's just on the short term, a situation with the yips or something like that, because you look around the roster and Daniel Robertson is is the backup. So, you know, is D. Gordon, D. Strange Gordon, you know, almost ready? Is is he a possibility at some point? We'll see. But it's um, the fringes of the roster. I mean, I think the fact that Daniel Vogelbach now is is going to see, especially when you don't have the, the, the three pitchers who aren't ground ball pitchers, and boy, let's talk about them soon, because <laughs> that's what it's all about right now. But when they're on the mound... There is should be no problem with having Vogel back at first base just for the offense that is needed right now and the left-handed presence. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I've not, maybe I've, I'm forgetting something that happened last year, and I, I, I can be a prisoner of the moment as as much as anybody out there. But I've never watched Vogel back at first base and gone, man. This guy is a defensive yeah. liability. To me, it seems like he makes all the plays. Yet you listen to the Brewers and you see what you listen to them by looking at what they're doing, so to speak. And it feels like they have no faith in him from a defensive standpoint. And those two things don't add up to me. No, I I agree completely. He looks capable. He looks like he knows what he's doing out there. How to position himself? Uh, how far to venture off the bag? You know, we know his range isn't going to be much of anything, but to, to state that he's just this unbelievable liability and just a, a mess that's incapable of handling the position over a full nine innings um, doesn't jive at this point. And there's going to be points in the season where he's going to need to be there. Yeah. And I've seen um, it's so many stories uh, with the team right now, which makes it all the more fun to uh, – kind of keep track because the Keston Hero situation both at the plate and in the field is just uh well it's messy right now <laughs> yeah, and we we could do an entire podcast on on Hero because we talk could talk about his defense at first we could talk about the necessary move of him at second while Wong is out we can evaluate whether or not it's it's smart long term to even have him at second during this time because he has to continue to develop at first we could talk about his lack of hitting like just just all of these things that are going on right now with we Keston can, we Hero. Can talk about yeah and we can talk about the fact that several in the in the Brewers you know prominent Twitter sphere pointed out that this, this guy's got options left and and Several predicted that at some point this season um, he may get a, a Travis Shaw treatment circa 2019 where, hey, go, go fix yourself yeah. because we, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. So um, it's just, you know, and, and they'll make a good point of every at-bat 
that seems to have some positivity to it still somehow results in an out or even worse, a double play. So, uh, I don't, the guy's mentally strong because he's showing that he's at least still functional, but it's been a tough go. It has, and he doesn't. He's his defense at first base is never going to be great. His defense at second base wasn't great either. He has to hit for it to work because of what you don't get from him from a defensive standpoint, and he's he's not hitting. And really, what I'm going into the season. I was not concerned about Omar Nervaez. I was not concerned about Christian Yelich. I was not concerned about mm-hmm. Lorenzo Cain. I wasn't concerned about Travis Shaw because I, I thought his, even if he just does what he did last year in Toronto, I thought that would play. That would be good enough. Not great, but be good enough. The only Of all the bounce-back candidates that we talked about over and over and over, the only guy that I was really legitimately concerned about was Hira because he doesn't have a major league track record. He had that half season when he first got called up, and he did a fantastic job that year. But video gets out, and scouting reports get out, and he has not put it all together. So he's the he's the only guy in that you know that that bounce back candidate group. And it's early enough in the season that they none of those guys have officially bounced back yet. He's the only guy that I, I would be concerned about. And it's such a shame because when he barrels up a ball to right center field, it's really not a prettier thing in the whole Brewers organization, to be honest with you. It's just amazing, you know, the strength that he has. But we've seen over and over again um, that it's like, okay, what are you working with? What are you working on to, to overcome some of these deficiencies in, in not laying off pitchers, pitchers, excuse me, or just diving for balls that, you know, it's, it's the worst of the Corey Hart swings from back in the day, and, and I'm a huge Corey Hart fan, but let's chase the sliders, um, let's watch the, it, it, it's, it's tedious, and for the longest time, you know, with counsel bef- until recently, just having him in the top three in the order was just mind-blowing. Um, yes, you want to instill confidence, but at some point you've got to adjust. They've done that, he's done that to some extent now. Uh, somehow we've talked for close to 15 minutes and we've barely talked about pitching so we'll we'll change that right now please 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 it's been it's been incredible um it's it's hard to find so, negatives adrian hauser has been okay he's a really he had one really good start hasn't been greater than that um I, I'm still curious. I, I think I, the biggest question I still have is Freddie Peralta because it's like when a rookie comes up for the first time, uh, you can have a lot of success early on, and then the the scouting reports get out. On you know this is this is a brand new Freddie Peralta, so it's almost like he's a brand new guy. So we'll see what happens as the league starts to adjust. But I think it's very legitimate what Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Brett Anderson have done, and those those three guys alone have just been so good. Yeah, and, and let's just really appreciate what has been going on there and the teamwork with the catchers, the pitching coordinators, and the game planning going in. Uh, it's just been so much fun to, to know that, yes, we've had some offensive outbursts in the first inning, but to know that the early part of the game that you're not going to be in front of the TV or in the stands when you're fortunate enough to be there, and you're not going to be down four to nothing after three innings, or at least, I mean, look, they're going to have clunkers. There's no doubt about it. But boy, oh boy, they're going to be few and far between. And even Freddie, after um, we're talking on Sunday, and, and 
you know, that was one three-run home run, and it was up and away, and Moran's tough. He went with it, and I think Freddie's going to come out his next time out and be really upset more than anything else, and he's going to make somebody pay. Um, Freddie, uh, Woodruff, Burns, Anderson has been fantastic. Let's just... Uh, I, I, what I liked from um, Hauser was in his in his latest little Zoom interview there was showing some personality and stuff because if there was ever ever somebody on the mound that I just wanted to take my hands and put him on his shoulders and shake him up a little bit and say just show some fire or some something because he's just kind of just so um, if, if you could use the word monotone to describe a, a pitching attitude on the mound. Um, and he's going to give us the heebie-jeebies with pitching in and out of trouble. As long as he's competent, that's all the staff needs right now because the other guys are just incredible, historic. Let them get all the national accolades they want. Um, it's just been so much fun as a fan. And now they're lined up. Who doesn't want to see Woodruff and Musgrove yeah. tomorrow night? I'm staying up late for it. I'm on the East Coast. I, I, I'm not going to miss that for anything. Hey, just stay up all night and listen to my postgame show. You'll be in good shape. I might end that thing at 5 a.m. your time. I will do that. <laughs> there has been I was uh, I was talking with somebody the other day. There was an Anaheim I think it was an Anaheim game if I remember correctly, maybe three years ago, where I think I ended the show at at four or four thirty central time. So there oh there gosh, are some yeah. late nights sometimes uh, in, in those. Yeah the the other thing I like again I kind of I view the top three guys. In, in no particular order. Well, the top two guys, you know, Woodruff and Burns, whatever order you want, put them in. Then I kind of put – I slot Anderson in kind of as the, as the third guy and then Peralta and, and, and Hauser after that. Again, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, they're still – I'm still curious to watch the, the evolution of Peralta as the season goes along. But when you just talk about the three guys who I think you have a really good idea of what you're going to get, you have a Woodruff who – it just throws hard. He's a bulldog. He's a tough guy out there. He shows one profile. And then you have Burns, who's just so pretty in everything that he throws and is just kind of a, a master of using other pitches. And then you've got Anderson, who really changes things up and gets so many ground balls and doesn't throw hard. If you're facing those three guys, that's three really distinct looks on three days in a row. And I think that's tough to deal with from an opposition standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And um, let's let's give uh, you know David Stearns, Matt Arnold credit for just, and, and also give credit to uh, Anderson for wanting to come back too, because a lot of teams try to find that you know mid-level to relatively cheap veteran who's going to give you innings and and kind of gut it out. And I know we're we're only in mid you know mid to late April here, but. Um, you know, Anderson's going to be steady pretty much all season as long as he can stay healthy. That's always been his thing, and um, he seems like he's just in a really happy place right now. So give guys credit for bringing him back and, and saying, yeah, you're, you're part of this rotation. Um, I'm glad you used the word pretty with, with, with Corbin. I mean, I, I don't know if you were talking about his flow or what's going on, <laughs> but um, it just adds to his... Uh, his mystique and stuff too. So um, it's just been incredible that we actually have a Degrom type pitcher um, to watch every fifth day. And 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 you know something. If you look at the schedule coming up, 
Um, it's going to rub some fans the wrong way, but you know, at least for a couple of times through, you're going to see Josh Lindblom as the sixth starter, and don't folks have a get ready to have a fit over it. But um, right now, with the extra days, these guys have been pitching pretty much on five days rest, fairly consistently rather than four. Um, I think they'll be more careful about the days in between starts down the road than they will the actual pitch counts. One of the reasons that these guys have been coming out gassed in, in the seven, you know, after six innings, their own words, by the way, is that they've been high-leverage, high-pressure innings, except yeah. for Anderson. They're not getting the big leads. So when, when Woodruff and Burns are, are saying, look, I'm 85 pitches, six innings, and, and I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready, you know, this is it. Um, it's because it was 0-0, 1-0. There's a big difference. In, in what those guys have to exude during those uh, those innings. Yeah, it's it's frustrating when you get all these social media tough guys who want to just kill counsel for pulling guys out. And again, I I think even if we were coming off a 162 game season last year, I don't think there'd be very much of a difference in how many pitches and how many innings these starters are throwing. It seems very normal to me, especially for this time of the year. But everybody's getting on council, or not everybody, but these these tough guys are getting on council about you know pulling Burns out or pulling Woodruff out, and then all you got to do is listen to their post game comments where they're saying, "Yeah, actually, I pulled myself out." Essentially, yeah, and you know what makes a big difference too is the tough guys are pretty quiet when the seventh and eighth inning guys are doing their job. Or let's say specifically the se- yeah, the seventh and eighth inning guys to, to bridge the gap to Hader, who has, you know, one safe opportunity by the way, just the way the quirks of the the wins and losses have gone so far. But um you know that's something we can touch on too because I think Perdomo is it has a place on this team going forward. It wasn't you know that that double against Fire you know, in the tenth that was a really good pitch. It wasn't a down and low pitch to a left-hander that, that is the type of pitch where you go, um, oh, that was you know, in a wheelhouse. No, it was really in a spot where he just got beat. Um, but it wasn't. You know, he still, then he got it out of the rest of the inning. So it's just a matter of can, like I said, with the, the, the tough guys being quiet about that, that's going to be so important because you're going to see six at and, and you're not going to see eight inning outings out of the, the top guys. You're just not going to unless the circumstances are right and they're pitching with a, a relatively not too big a lead, but not a real cruncher either. Uh, uh, let me get you out of here on this. Uh, and we were talking a little bit before we pressed the record button. Just from a Major League Baseball standpoint, this year we've seen two no-hitters. Uh, we saw Burns with the 30 strikeouts, no walks in his first three innings, which hasn't been done in the modern era. Um well, we saw the Red Sox with that nine in a row after starting out 0-3. There's been a lot of very compelling things that have happened inside of games. This has been a really intriguing and fun first two, two and a half weeks of the Major League season. It's been amazing. There's, there's something for everybody. There's something for the people who are calling for the robo-umps. And, you know, you got Michael Conforto leaning into pitches and missed calls at the plate. Um, you've got... Uh, it's just been wildly entertaining, and they wanted to, you know, the, the powers that be, meaning Manfred and others, would, you know, wanted to push for the, the month's delay. Well, well, what would that have really done? You're still having issues with, with COVID spikes in, in certain states. Um, you still have the opportunity, as it turned out, 
for players to get vaccinated relatively early, you know, maybe not in spring training, but within the first 10 days of the season or so, it seems like. And it seems as though in those places where there are some issues in the game right now with COVID, you kind of scratch your head, and I'm not going to get into a political situation for, you know, the vaccination crowd versus the anti-vaccination crowd, but you do wonder how many teams have reached that 85% threshold and, and gotten to the point where more than not got vaccinated to avoid some of these issues. So it's been incredibly entertaining, and we would have missed all that if the season was to begin, what, two weeks from now? And then what would that have done with the minor league players who have the run of Maryvale right now trying to bump heads with an extended delayed spring for the major league teams? No, they, you know, the players were, were solid in their um, resolve and they were smart to say, no, nope, we're playing 162, we're playing on time. And if you watch quick pitch highlights on a nightly basis or just you know, follow along, it's been a wildly entertaining uh, first three weeks of the season. Yeah, absolutely has. All right, Jim, uh, give a plug for uh, what's going on over at uh, BrewerFan.net. Hey, we just kind of keep doing our thing. You know, it's it's the place to come over and, um, you know, just talk crew in a, in a moderated setting without the trolls, without uh, a lot of, you know, cuss words. And, uh, you know, the moderators, God bless them, they, they're just – just to read the content, I can't possibly keep up with all the content on the forums, and we have a series of, you know, a crew of folks that do, and just keep things kind of in line where people can still, of course, voice their opinions and dissenting opinions, but it's all about place to go just to read, and even if you're just a uh, somebody who kind of watches and doesn't comment, um, enjoy the talk. And we try also to link, uh, you know, I still link to all the audio interviews from the course of the week um, throughout the airwaves. So um, that's something I focus on. And, of course, we're gearing up for the minor league season coming up, and we'll see what form that's going to take. Yeah, I Thank am... you, Matt, for the little uh, reminder. Oh, yeah, of course. And I'm a, I am a lurker. I enjoy seeing what the conversation is. I like getting kind of a pulse on the uh, – and it's a it's a different feel than Twitter. Like Twitter, I feel like there's the, the tough guys and the, the unreasonable takes. You don't get that as much. So – I lurk around, so you know if I if there's a tough night, I'll actually sometimes go and see <laughs> what the folks at Brewer Fan are saying, just to kind of recenter and get an idea of what what Brewers fans are really feeling at any given moment. Yeah, and no, I appreciate you saying that. It's a place where people can put together, you know, actually compose messages beyond whatever the Twitter length is these days, and um, you know have have a, a decent back and forth, and and that's what it's all about. Um, in terms of us enjoying the season, because um, it's just, uh, you know, it's a place to ha- have those discussions and enjoy what I can, I just think is going to be a fantastic run. Um, if you look at right now, it's what's going on in MLB, Matt. I tweeted out something this morning. As of Sunday morning, only 11 of the 30 teams were over 500. Everybody's lurking at 500, just below. But then you look at some of the teams that top standings off to good starts, and you're like, really? Wow. And the Yankees are struggling, which makes everybody happy. Um, it's <laughs> going to be fun from top to bottom. And I think in our little Brewer world, um, I'm I'm super excited. I think that uh, I know we'll probably chat again by mid-season somewhere or later in the season. And um, I expect it to be a positive conversation. I really do. I do as well. Well, Jim, I always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for doing this. And, yeah, we'll get you on again uh, very, very soon. Thanks, Matt. You take care.
Jim Goulart joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That is just about going to wrap things up here on the podcast. Brewers getting set for a week on the road. It will start with uh, three games against the San Diego Padres. Great opportunity. Padres are one of the best teams in baseball. Great opportunity for the Brewers to uh, test themselves against a very good team. I do wonder... Uh, and this is more of a basketball thing than a baseball thing. This doesn't always play out in a 162-game season you know, in basketball, even football at times. We talk about trap games. I don't know if this is a, a trap series for San Diego. They're coming off a highly, highly, highly emotional series against the Dodgers. Is there any type of letdown for the Padres over this three games? Probably not, but just something to keep in the back of your mind. I love the game one pitching matchup. The game one pitching matchup is fantastic with Brandon Woodruff going against Joe Musgrove. That's that's the best game of the three in terms of the starting pitching matchup. Corbin Burns will go in game two, Adrian Hauser in game number three. After an off day on Thursday, Brewers hit the road to take on the Cubs already for a third time this year. Third series between the Brewers and the Cubs will be coming up uh, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All three of those games are set to begin at 1.20 in the afternoon. Of course, you can hear those games on WTMJ. Uh, we have our Brewers Extra Innings post-game show that airs following all weekday evening games and all weekend games. So uh, if you are somebody who's maybe out of the area and you watch the games on TV and you want even more Brewers coverage after the game gets over, if you're watching on like MLB.tv or something, would certainly encourage you to head to uh, WTMJ.com or get on the uh, WTMJ app and stream the station because our post-game show, Brewers Extra Innings, it does stream. Now, for people who are in the Milwaukee five-county area, we've got something new this year where the actual Brewers games, the, the play-by-play broadcast from the Brewers, that is streaming in the five-county Milwaukee area at WTMJ.com. First time that's ever been able to done. Uh, Major League Baseball allowed clubs to take control of their local streaming rights this year. Major League Baseball still controls the uh, streaming rights outside of the local market, so that's why on a WTMJ.com, you can't, if you're living somewhere else in the country, you can't listen to the game there uh, at that moment. It has nothing to do with the Brewers. It has nothing to do with WTMJ. It has to do with Major League Baseball and the uh, the national streaming rights and the MLD Game Day audio package or the MLB TV package uh, that they want to be able to uh, sell. So if you are out of the market and you want to listen to our radio postgame show, just a reminder, it's, it does air on the stream once the network broadcast wraps up. So that's generally about 15 minutes after uh, the f- final pitch, maybe sometimes 20 minutes uh, when uh, Bob and Jeff and Lane, when they all wrap up. At that point, the stream goes back live, and m- my postgame show will start. So for those of you who are looking to listen to that, don't think that that's blacked out just because the games are blacked out. You can listen to that postgame show, and I'd love for you to uh, do so. We have a good time. and uh, For folks who have been listening already this year, you've heard a lot a former Brewers pitcher Jerry Augustine. Uh, Augie had some uh, had his role kind of uh, moved around a little bit uh, this year, and that resulted in us getting him even more in radio, which is an absolute benefit. Uh, I'll tell you what. So there's still a little bit of a there's still some like media restrictions. Restrictions the wrong word, but there's social distancing guidelines. That's the word that I use or the term I use. There's social distancing guidelines going on uh, still in the press box. And uh, Augie and I, for most games, we sit together and, and watch the game together. I can't tell you how lucky of a guy 
that I am, that I that I get to do that. And uh, just throwing things off of him. I like to think I know a little something about baseball. I've, I've, I've uh, you know, devoted my career to the game of baseball, but I don't know a darn thing compared to uh, somebody like uh, Jerry Augustine. So it has been such such a great thing for uh, for me just to be able to sit at these games at uh, American Family Field and just be sitting right next to Augie and just us two and kind of talking through uh, the game. It's a lot of fun for me. So uh, that is that's one of the benefits of, uh, of kind of Augie's new role doing so much more radio. And I hope you've been able to uh, listen to what he's had to say because it's been fun doing what we've done. All right, uh, that's going to do it for uh, the podcast this week. Appreciation to uh, Jim Goulart for joining us and appreciation to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.